last time I was here is about two years ago, and it looks like a brand new church, brand new facility. So many people that I don't know, come say hi. I'll stick around a little bit after. Hey. Um, I'm Nate, and you know. My, my wife and I, we lead a church in Big Park, it's called uh, Lift Church, and um, we were part of the same family, we're ACC churches, we're Harvest Met churches, and we just love you guys, we love your pastors, Andy and Nick, um, they, they're like brother and sister to us, we do so much life together, and what I love is that they're so encouraging, they're just such loving people, and they've got such a big vision for what we can do as a church here in Frio, I yeah. mean, I come from... West Coast Eagles territory. Yeah. Don't hate me for it. Um, the the uh, what do they call it? The, the headquarters is literally five minutes away from my house. So every now and then I just scooch over and try to scope out some Eagles players, and um, that's what I do. Not creepy at all. Um, but you know, I love that there are churches all over our city, yeah, all over on. our state now, yep. trying to make a difference. I love what you guys are doing with. Christmas hamper appeals. I hear about what you're doing in the unis. I hear what you're doing in the schools, what you're doing here with the PCYC. And I just love it. I love that there's favor. And I really believe that over the next year, you're going to see uh, incredible doors opening. And, and, and we are praying for you guys because we want to see that really take a hold and, and things start to happen. And um, I'm just so excited for you guys. And I'm really excited to be here. Great. I'm really excited that um, I get to preach on Romans chapter 8. Yes. I mean, um, when, um, when uh, and Pastor Andy first told me about this a few weeks ago, he said, hey bro, we are doing, going through the book of Romans, which, you know, I'm not just saying this, I actually love the book of Romans, partly because I am an absolute nerd, and um, <laughs> Romans is like this systematic uh, theology that, you know, if you really want to understand the word, uh, it really comes back down to, uh, well, Romans unpacks it a lot. And, and it gives you this viewpoint on, on, on salvation, on grace, and all these starting points for our journey. And then uh, Andy told me, uh, and, and you're going to be up to chapter 8. And I was like, I did not know whether to be excited or whether to be like, are you trying to set me up? Because Romans chapter 8 yeah. is one of those chapters that is like crazy. It's, it's, it's a, like, give me Romans chapter 1. Yeah. I'll talk about salutations and introductions or the final chapter. Chapter 8 is, let me just give you a bit of an overview on some of the verses that are in here. First verse, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who likes that one? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Pretty good as well, isn't it? Yeah. And then Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Romans 8.38-39, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, Come neither on. angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus yeah. our Lord. Come on. You guys should be getting excited. Yeah, this is the Word of God. Yeah. Here. This is like crazy. There is no condemnation all the way. Yeah, There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Great. And Andy was like, you need to preach through this. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> There's no way in heaven or in hell that I can get through even half of this chapter. And so uh, what, what I want to do is to give you a perspective on a theme 
that appears in Romans chapter 8 and really appears all through Scripture. And it's a theme that when we catch a hold of it, it changes the way that we view our journey as Christians. Come on, man. Come it on. changes the way that we see discipleship. What is discipleship? You know, I, I was speaking to uh, one of our, uh, the, the people that Beck and I are catching up with regularly and I asked her, what do you think discipleship is? And she looked at me and said, no one's ever asked me that question. And I was like, oh, you've been coming to our church for four years and you don't know what discipleship is. And, and she said, I guess it's kind of like teaching and training. And I was like, no, that really isn't it. Because that means that you can listen to podcasts never step foot into a church and be discipled. Wow. Mm. Wow. It means that you can just sit at home, read the Bible for yourself, the Holy Spirit is your teacher, and you don't have to do anything about any of that as long as you receive that, you're being discipled. Come on. And, and that's not what the Bible teaches us Come about on, discipleship. That's good. It actually is something so much more. Yeah. Something that actually is so individual, yet so corporate. Mm. Uh, it is something so personal Yet it's something so profoundly community-based. Yeah, come on. And, and what I want to do today is to give you a bit of a sense of, on what the discipleship journey is, as explained in Romans chapter 8. Right. And it comes mainly because of a personal circumstance that I'm going to share a little bit later uh, that, that has really unpacked this for me. But before we go any further, let's look at Romans 8, 14 to 25. Right. If you've got your Bibles, grab it up. I love this. Someone was saying this over conference a, a while ago. If you got Bibles, turn it on. <laughs> no one's got your uh, Bibles here uh, except in digital format. I got mine. Put on mine. You're allowed to put stickers on your Bible. <laughs> that. that is um, from Pastor Nate. That one's a free one for you guys. Right. Romans 8, 14 to 25. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves mm. so that you live in fear again. Mm. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. Yep. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba meaning Father. Mm. It's this real heart cry. Father. Yeah, come on. Some people say Daddy God. I, I have a little bit, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I struggle with that one, but it's still this really intimate. I don't even call my dad Daddy. Because like, I'm too old for that, Dad. You're Dad now. I used to call him Daddy until I think I was eight and I was like, nah. I, I sound like I'm from the Rugrats or something. <laughs> Some people here are like, what the heck are the Rugrats? But, um, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Yep. Now, if we're God's children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from his bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Yeah. Now we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for mm. our adoption to sonship, wow. the redemption of our bodies. Yeah. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that a sin is not is no hope at all. Who <coughs> hopes for what they already have? Mm. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, 
we wait for it patiently. Mm. Can we just pray before we Come get on. to the meat? Dear God, I pray that you're speaking this morning. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are highlighting and you are speaking deeply into us. You're calling forth life. You're calling forth peace. You're calling forth a newness. And you're calling forth a courage for us to live according to how you've called us to. Mm -hmm. God, I pray that every word that is spoken is from you. And what is not from you will just simply fall to the ground. But what is from you is sharper than a two-edged sword. Mm -hmm. It pierces through right to where it needs to go to bring healing, to bring transformation, yeah. and to bring wholeness. Yeah. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Now. Vic and I are on an adoption journey. Some of you guys might know that. Most of you probably don't. Um, and we've been on this journey for about a year. Uh, just two weeks ago, we got approved by uh, the Department of Communities right. so that we can actually uh, now be in adoption pools. Come and on. that is the journey that we've been on. And the reason why we went on this journey is uh, because adoption has got such meaning and purpose to Beck and myself. We were talking about this before we got married. We, we were like, we, we think one day we're going to adopt. And um, as we tried to have kids for a few years and that didn't happen, uh, something that played in our hearts, let's, let's try this out. Let's, let's go on this path. We said that this is what we want to do. Let's go for it. And, and we started. But for me personally, adoption is so important because of how it changed my life. Not that I'm adopted, by the way. I'm not. But the, the concept, the doctrine of adoption in the Bible yeah. completely changed my life. Yeah. You see, I, I've been a Christian all my life. I went to a church growing up in Singapore, a Methodist church. And as a Methodist church member, it, you get taught uh, the methods of Christianity, the disciplines of Christianity. You get, you get slapped if you don't do the disciplines of Christianity. Or that is, not fully slapped, but you get told off in really harsh words that you're not a good Christian. Um, I'm still working through some of that pain. Yeah. But I read through the Bible. Like, literally, by the time I was 12, I had read through the Bible at least five, six times. Wow. Cover to cover. That, that was what we did. That was, like, we, we had Bible reading plans, and, and we would do that. And I knew God, but I didn't know God. And, and, and there was this sense in me that in my life, I tried to work out my salvation as the Bible teaches us to but I thought that working out salvation was working for salvation mm. Mm. it was this sense that I needed to perform if I was going to have God's acceptance over my life wow. and, and, and that, that, that led me that drove me I, I served on every team that I could I would even serve at women's events because they always needed some kind of waiters I don't know why women events always need waiters <laughs> you know the men's event that's coming up there ain't going to be no waiters you put your meat on the barbecue and you flip it yourself and then you put it into your mouth yourself you don't need no mate you don't need no servant you don't need no waiter to do that for you but women's events there's always a waiter and I was that guy and I, I did all of that because that was um I was trying to please God. I was trying to live in a way that, that God would notice me. And, and I continued living in that way for decades, a couple of decades of my life. And then somehow God brought me to this concept, this picture, if you will. One of the things I love about the Bible is that it's, it's not just about words, but it's about the pictures that it paints for us. Mm. And we need to get the right picture of some of these concepts and some of these thoughts if we are to capture how God sees us and how we are meant to see God. Yeah. And one of those pictures is that of adoption. Mm, come on. And why that spoke to me is because the thought of God adopting me is a picture of how God accepts me. Mm. Mm. Is a picture of how He chooses 
me. Yeah. It's a picture of how he desires me. Yeah. How he gives to me and how he provides for me. When I thought about the fact that God would adopt me, it blew my mind wow. because I thought that all of those things needed to be earned. Yeah. But when I discovered that it was an act of God and Come it on. wasn't an act of Nate, it, it changed yeah, my man. perspective on everything. Yeah. And it also grounded my value because I realized that the price on my life was the life of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. My value doesn't come from what I do, yeah, it man. comes from how much God paid for me. Yeah, come and on. you know how much God paid for me? Come he on. paid for me with His life, yeah, His on. life on the cross. Yeah. If anyone wants to put a price tag on my life, you have to look at Jesus yeah, Christ. How come much on, is man, Jesus Christ's life worth? Yeah. The sinless man who lived on the face of this planet, who yeah. left heaven in order to be on earth to yeah, live that on. life, forsaking all of that for me, yeah. To be yeah. brought into God's family, that is ridiculous. Yeah, man, come on. It is crazy. Come on. When you understand that you have been adopted by Christ. Come on. Yeah. When we and uh, when Beck and I are going on this adoption journey and we are looking at how much this is going to cost us, it, it, it is a little bit daunting and a little bit scary. Mm. Mm. Let's be honest. Being completely honest, you don't just go to a shop and, and go, oh, that's too expensive for me. I'll pick that one, please. No, 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 you paid a price yeah, yeah. in order to have yeah. this child in my life. And that's what Christ did for me. And that blew my mind. That changed the way that I viewed God. That changed the way that I viewed my relationship with God. If God had already chosen me before I was right, if God had already chosen me before I was good, if God had already chosen me before I was perfect, why do I still need to think that I need to be perfect? Mm. It's not that we don't grow, and, and, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, but in that, like, why did I have this mindset that I needed to earn God's love? Yeah. If there's any person on, in this room that feels that your relationship with God is based on what you do, you've got a gospel based on works and not a gospel based on grace. Mm. Mm. And Romans covers this brilliantly. You probably have heard elements of this over the last few weeks, but we've got to capture this in our hearts. Because how we see ourselves in God colors everything else. But as much as understanding adoption and, and the, the amazing grace of God blew my mind, this adoption process brought something else into focus for me. And this isn't so much a change of who God is and how He operates, but it's more about who I am as an adoptee. Mm. See, a year ago, when Beck and I started this process, we had to get educated and we had to go through assessment. Just to let you kind of know, um, a part of that assessment was for seven weeks, we had a social worker come into our house for three hours uh, of intense interrogation, basically. <laughs> Uh, she uncovered everything about our past, everything about our present, and how we see our future working with a child. Mm -hmm. It was draining, it was tiring, it was kind of um, scary because she would ask questions that we had no answer for. Wow. What, what if your child says to you, um, you're not my real dad anyway? Wow. How am I supposed to answer that? Let me live and experience that and then I'll come back to you. <laughs> what do you do? Um, but that was what we had to go through. We had to understand um, all of these concepts that would impact the life of our uh, adopted child. And a big part about 
that is um, that as much as adoption sometimes is this heroic picture. It is, isn't it? And that's how I saw this picture when, when, when I thought about how God adopts me. It was this heroic picture of how I was nothing and God was everything. It's this heroic picture of how God rides in into my situation and how He picked me up, how He pursued, how He chose me, and how He brings me into family. It's this crazy, amazing picture, isn't it? But I learned that adoption is actually a process of loss and grief. Wow. Adoption is a process of loss and grief. Wow. From the perspective of the adoptee. From the perspective of the adoptee, they have experienced loss after loss after loss for all of their life. Wow. If they were relinquished at birth, it still meant that they lost that nine-month connection with their birth mom. That every single day, living inside her body, hearing her heartbeat, hearing a voice as muffled as it might be going through all the bodily organs and fluids, they still hear. Mm. Your child hears your voice while in that belly mm. for nine months, wow. daily, constantly. Mm. Constantly, think about that. Wow. For all you married people, you're not even that constantly with your partner. Mm. You can't do that. Mm. But your baby hears your heartbeat every single moment for nine months. Wow. And then the moment they are born and you remove that child from their mom. What is that? It's not a happy space, it's lost. Mm. And maybe that child is um, put into an orphanage for some reason, or put into foster care. It's a space where there's no permanence. It's a space where there is no consistency or a consistency in terms of family. Mm. They don't know what is permanent. They don't know if anything will last. They don't know when people will stay. They don't know when people will go. Mm. If they're in an institution, their workers change, there's volunteers that come through. Even well-meaning Christians might visit this orphanage mm. and shed a little bit of love for a number of days but leave. Yeah. Adoption is a process of loss. Wow. Adoption is a process of grief. And that grief has massive ramifications on our lives. Mm. In fact, what um, studies have shown us now is that how a child uh, develops their understanding of the world and how they behave is really more or less set in the first five years of their life. And even before their brains are set up to understand and to be able to think through all of these abstract concepts that today we think about, in the ages of zero to five, they are encoding information in their emotions. Wow. Mm. So what an adoptee goes through in all the loss and all the pain that they've gone through is actually encoded into their emotions. Wow. It is there. Guiding them showing them how to live. Mm. It shows them a filter for which they act and every decision that they make comes back through that filter. Mm. If you will, it's a manual for life. All of us grow up with a manual for life. Mm. That manual is encoded into our thoughts and our emotions and we have that. And so what happens is that even though adopted into an amazing family, there is still a manual that dictates what life looks like. Yeah. And that was something that really shook me to the core. 
Because I no longer saw myself as a hero in human adoption. I saw myself having to question, what am I really doing in this? Wow. Do I really believe that I am providing something better? Wow. Do I really believe that I'm providing something of true worth? I believe that when God says that he adopts us, he thinks, I know what's best for you. Mm. But he's God and I'm not. But anyway, side note. <laughs> but what happens here is this crazy process that we have to understand. Let me give you a more tangible example. Let's think about a little girl who was in an orphanage in China. In, in this orphanage, she's one of dozens of children. And they only have a certain number of workers, certain number of volunteers that come through. And so for this little girl, she isn't given much eye contact. Now, studies have shown us that eye contact is extremely important for an infant. Eye contact helps a little child learn how to regulate their emotions. It wow. helps them to learn that there is connection and that there are people there for her. Mm. But she doesn't receive that. Mm. Another thing that she doesn't receive is that she doesn't receive much physical affection. Mm. Like even Meg's right now, she's holding little Ollie. Mm. And little Ollie is in her arms and probably is in her arms more often than not throughout the day. Mm. That physical affection is extremely important. Yeah. It's a place of security, it's a place of yeah, belonging, yeah. it's a place of acceptance. Mm. This little girl doesn't get that. Mm. She doesn't get it because there aren't enough arms to go around. Wow. And suddenly there's this beautiful family, this couple that comes into China and she's meant to be their child. Mm. They receive her with loving open arms and they think that they have saved her from a life of inconsistency, a life of temporariness, bringing her into a permanent family and a permanent home. Isn't that great? Mm. Oh, it's great, except that this child doesn't understand any of those concepts. Yeah. The first time mum stares her in the eyes, she turns away. Mm. She is freaked out. Yeah. Because she has never learned that eye contact is good for her. Yeah, yeah. And so eye contact is extremely intense and extremely uncomfortable. What is this person doing staring <laughs> at me? What do you mean that's normal? That's not been my normal. Mm. No, it's not. It's weird. It's, it's uncomfortable. Mm. Dad picks her up and she literally stiffens up and pushes him away because she is not feeling safe, she's feeling restricted. Yeah, yeah. She's feeling like, why are you trying to wrap your arms around my tiny little body? Mm. She's struggling for safety when she's in the safest place on the face of the planet. Wow. Why does that happen? It's because she has written a manual for life in her emotions and in her thoughts. Wow. And so when we read the process, or we read about this amazing concept that God would bring us into his family, that he would not just love us, but yeah, he would yeah. also call us a co-heir with Christ. Think about that. Whatever Christ has, we have. Mm. No, think, no, think about that, church. Yeah, yeah. Whatever Christ has, I have. Yeah, yeah. How much confidence should that give you in your life? Yeah. You know that miracle that you've been searching for? Yeah, Do on. you know that it's available in Christ? Yeah. Do you know that breakthrough that you have been seeking for all of your life? Did you know that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in yeah, you? That is 
a gift that God has given to you and made available for you. But I don't know about you, but I've known so many times that even though I'm a co-heir with Christ, I don't feel like I've got the same access as he does. I don't feel like I know what it means to be part of this family. And sometimes that makes me feel rejected. Sometimes that makes me feel like I'm on the outside, like there's something wrong with me. Like there's something that I don't really belong here. Mm. And that's something that we've got to realize that the process of adoption, even in spiritual terms, is a process and not an event. Yeah, come on, that's good, man. We need to understand this. And and in Romans 8, we see this. Let's get into a little bit more thought life here. Uh, And we read early on, uh, as I already read, that when we have the Spirit, we are sons of Christ. We have been adopted into His family, right? And that's early on in Romans chapter 8. And a little bit later though, we read in verse 23, I believe, but it says, Not only so, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit growing inwardly as we wait eagerly our adoption. Mm. Hang on. Paul, you said... That I'm already a child of God, but yet I'm still awaiting adoption. Think about that. How can I be adopted but not yet adopted? Mm. Mm. How can I be God's child but not yet God's child? Yeah, yeah. Because in the process, there's this theme in the Bible that there is a not yet season that we are all in. Mm. That salvation is ours, but salvation is also going to be ours. Mm. Yeah. That we have been saved but we are being saved yeah, yeah. yeah. there's this already but not yet tension yeah, yeah. that we all live in and so in the same way we might have the status of adopted but we don't have the fullness of understanding what adoption is like yeah. and paul goes on to talk about and you would have read this in chapter 7 and you would read about this also in chapter 8 we don't have time to go through all of this But Paul begins to share about this sense that there is a flesh and a spirit life Mm. inside all of us, right? And he talks about these two spheres and and, and it feels like they are in tension and they are in fighting. What is going on here? As I started to understand adoption from the perspective of the adoptee, I started to see something different. Mm. I used to think that flesh was about all of those really shameful desires inside of us. Mm. It's the lust, it's the jealousy, it's the anger, it's the, oh, why are you so sinful and yucky? Mm. I started to learn that the flesh isn't that yucky. Mm. The flesh is just natural. Mm. The flesh is actually that manual that all of us have written inside of us. Mm. And so all of your experiences that you have gone through in life informs you on how to see the world. Mm. If you were rejected as a child, you'd be always worried about the next person that's going to reject you. Mm. That is a fleshly perspective on life. Mm. If you fear where tomorrow is going to come from, what you are going to live through tomorrow, is God really going to be there for me? That's just simply a fleshly voice in your life. Mm. Mm. I've started to see that most of our dysfunctions don't come because we are disgusting people, but more because we've had experiences that we've tried to make sense of without God. Mm. Wow. I've started to see that most of my sin isn't from so much a shameful place, but it's more from a place that 
I don't know who I am in Christ. Mm. And this process of adoption is taking a heck of a lot longer <laughs> than I wanted to. Yeah. I read about the riches in, that I have in heaven. I read about how God tells me that he has got every single one of my needs covered. And I still don't believe it. Mm. Wow. I still feel like I need to work for it. Wow. I still feel like maybe that's for that other guy who prays 10 hours a day. And he's got calluses on his knees that have got calluses that have got calluses. <laughs> I don't know if I'm good enough as a Christian to receive that kind of grace. Mm. I've never been persecuted my whole life. I mean, I've been discriminated against, but that's not quite the same, is it? Mm. So we go through this process of understanding that there's a manual that we have developed inside us. Mm. But what happens is that when we are adopted into God's family, we receive another manual. Mm. Mm. That manual quite often comes in the form of this book. Come on, yeah. come on. We got the flesh, and we got the spirit. Yeah. And there are two halves of us, as hopefully this picture will show you. But what then happens is that what our discipleship journey looks like is that we need to know which voice we are listening to in this moment. Mm. Is it the flesh's voice or is it the spirit's voice? Mm. You know, I ask you what discipleship is all about. Discipleship as I'm coming to understand it, is learning how to hear the Spirit's voice over the flesh's voice. Wow. And a part of that means that you need to understand what the flesh is trying to tell you. Yeah. You need to understand where that fear is coming from. That's good, as I read in Romans chapter 8, at the start of this morning, we were hearing about how God has adopted us not into fear. That's one of the biggest clues that I have found in my life. When I want to hear what the flesh is telling me, there's always a tinge of fear. There's always this fear of letting someone down or someone letting us down. Mm. There's always this fear of people gonna leave me at some point. I've got to work my way up. There's always this sense of needing to find some kind of safety and security that I can control. Yeah. Fear always drives us to want control. Mm. Fear always drives us to want to be in charge of all that is going on in our life. Yeah, but yeah. I'm here to tell you that that fear is not a fear of God. It's yeah. a fear that has been birthed into yeah, yeah. my flesh. Yeah, yeah. That is buried in there. And when I read passages, I do not worry about tomorrow. Because <laughs> tomorrow will take care of itself. Look at the birds of the sky and the grass of the field. I'm, like, I'm not a bird and I'm not grass. I'm Nate. And I don't know how tomorrow is going to work. Don't you tell me that it's going to be okay. Because you all know my situation. Yeah. You don't know that fear that I'm facing. You don't know that obstacle that I'm facing. Wow. You don't know my boss. Wow. Yeah. You don't know my parents. Wow. You don't know this. You don't know that. And we come to God with this sense that you don't know. Mm. That's fear. Wow. That's flesh. And it's completely understandable. Mm. Making it understandable doesn't make it good. Yeah. The Bible tells us that the Life, the mind that is fixed on the spirit brings life and peace. Mm. Yeah. The mind that's fixed on the flesh brings death and destruction. Mm. Mm. The process of discipleship is learning how to recognize the voice of the flesh and the voice of the spirit. Wow. A lot of little thing I've noticed about the flesh and the spirit is that the flesh uses a really big microphone. 
Have you ever noticed this? Mm. And I don't know, but I've kind of sometimes like got up your microphone game. <laughs> because I'm like, man, you're hard to hear sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Especially when the flesh is screaming its head off. Yeah. Mm. You know, the flesh is telling you, 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 whatever. You know, it's telling you, you should be scared, you should be small, you shouldn't put your hand up for anything, mm. you should just be in control of every aspect of your life, don't let anyone in because they are going to let you down and it screams and rails at you and the Spirit is just saying, trust God. Mm. Trust God. Wow. Yeah. Trust God. Wow. He's got you. He's got you under control. Mm. Oh my gosh, God, speak louder please. <laughs> Well, maybe discipleship isn't so much about asking God to speak loud, but it's about us tuning in. Yeah. It's about us finding the flesh's voice and saying, shut up. Mm. Yeah, come on. come on. You have no place in me. Yep. Mm. Thank you for guiding me this long, but I don't need you anymore. Yeah. yeah, come on. And spirit, I need you to speak. Yeah, come on then. My favorite verse, and I don't get to speak on that fully today, is Romans 12 verse 2. You come to it in a few chapters time. It says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, mm -hmm. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And by doing so, you can test and approve the will of God, mm -hmm. God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Mm -hmm. What's this process? It's a process of shutting up the flesh's voice, yeah. as important as it has been for your survival so far. You are now part of a new family. Yeah. You're now part of a new culture. You're now part yeah. of a new place yep. where God has awakened your spirit up is so that you can actually look at the truth that is in the Word of God and say, that is the truth that I want to listen to. Yeah. That is the truth that will bring me life and peace. Yeah. Some of you are scurrying around like little headless chooks trying to find <laughs> life and trying to find peace. Mm. But you're trying to find it through the flesh. Yeah. But the flesh doesn't give you life and peace. It gives you shadows and types of life and peace that are temporary. Wow. Yeah. Only God gives you true life. Yeah, come on. As I go through my journey of adoption, what I've learned is that, you know, it doesn't so much change that I genuinely want to help the child out. Mm. But it has changed my perspective of what I need to do as dad. Wow. I need to stay in the midst of the craziest tantrums that my child is going to chuck at me because he or she doesn't know whether to trust me or not. Mm. I've got to love my child even when they say, you're not my real parent anyway. Mm. You don't know what I've been through. I'm going to stay. I've got to choose to stay. Wow. Mm. Father God chooses to stay. Wow. Yeah. In the midst of your loss and your grief and all that you're going through, God chooses to stay. Wow. God chooses to stay when you are pushing them away. God chooses to stay when you don't feel like you are worthy of being part of His family. God chooses to stay when your flesh is screaming louder than the Spirit. God chooses to stay when you don't choose Him. Mm. He continues to choose you. That's great, man. That's what I've learned about my God. That it's, He's okay with my process. We don't have a high priest who is so high up that he doesn't understand what we're going through, but he sympathizes with us. He empathizes with yeah. us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows the process. Yeah. Freedom City Church, you're going to go through a process of discipleship. Mm. And you're going to need voices in your life that are going to help you find out the voice of the Spirit. Mm. You've got amazing pastors. You've got amazing elders. And they are put in your life, not just to be figureheads, but to actually go, Hey, mate, 
that is called the flesh. Mm. That fear that I'm hearing is not from God, it's from the flesh. Yeah. But hey, this is what God is saying. You're going to have to make the choices because your pastors can't lead your life for you. They're not here to manipulate or coerce, but they're here to guide. And they're here to show you the difference between these two voices. Mm. And as we continue to go through this process of learning the voice of the Spirit, we are going to be able to hear God better. Who wants that? Who wants to hear God better? Who actually wants to hear His voice? I I love one last little story. I I was speaking to Pastor David Storer, who's kind of like the granddad of a lot of our Harvest Net churches. He's an amazing guy, and I I caught up with him once, and I was saying, Pastor David, I just don't know what God is saying about this. How do you know what God is saying? And he just looked at me, he kind of laughed a little bit, which wasn't very nice, but he did. He laughed, and then he said, Nate, I've been doing this for 40 years. When you get to 40 years doing ministry, you somehow just know the voice of God. And I was like, that's not really helpful. (laughs) Thank you, but no thank you. But the more I think about that, the more I'm like, I'm going to give myself grace. Yeah. Because I've been doing this for 10 years. Mm. I've got another 30 years before I can hear God as well as Pastor David. (laughs) I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm still a young guy that's trying to find his way. But are you going to start? That's the question that I've got for you today. The Mm. challenge that I want to leave with you. Do you want to live by the flesh or by the spirit? Mm. Because the riches of heaven is found in God's family. Mm. But it's a new culture. Yeah. It's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of living. And it's going to be difficult. Mm. That's why Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, In this present age of suffering, mm. as I struggle with my adoption but not yet adopted, there's suffering. Mm. Yeah. But I know that at the end of it, I will come to a place of belonging, a place of great grace, and a place of great love. Mm. I want to speak to people who haven't made Jesus your Lord and Savior. I want to speak to people who have been holding Jesus at arm's length. And perhaps you want all the answers of how God's going to fix all of this stuff and how He's going to change your life. But at some point, you're going to have to trust that His ways are higher than your ways. That He knows what you need before you do. This process of trust, we call it faith. And when we have faith in Jesus and we allow Him to speak and we allow Him to work in our lives, that's when something slowly, gradually changes from the inside out. If that's you this morning and you want to accept Jesus into your life, I'm just going to lead you into a prayer. Mm -hmm. So we can get everyone just to close your eyes, just to bow your head. If you want to invite Jesus into your life, can you just repeat this after me? Dear Jesus, I invite you into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I trust you. Or at least I want to trust you. Help me. Amen. Amen. If that's you, you can speak to one of the team if you said that prayer for the first time. This process is a process like we talked about. It's a relationship with God. It's not just a one-off event. Mm. And God can do something amazing. Mm. Yeah. Hey, can I just pray for you? Because yeah. I really believe that there are people here that have been living according to fear. Mm. Just being straight out. I don't know you. I don't know you very well at all. But I believe that there are people here that have been living by fear and not by faith. Yeah. Mm. They've been living according to those fleshly life manuals. You, there's some of you here that need to speak to your pastors. By the end of today... 
Or maybe soon after, I'll give you a bit of grace and say, you know, God's put something on my life. I've been too scared to say yes to it because I felt like it's too big for me. I'm not worthy of it. I'm not good enough. Um, I don't want to fail. Whatever that voice is, if there's fear in it, it's not from God. Mm. Yeah. Right? Mm. And I believe that there is giftings, there's calling that should be unlocked in our lives. But we need to say yes to the Spirit yeah. and not to the flesh. Yeah. So let me just pray over you. Dear Father, I thank you that you have chosen us, brought us into family. I thank you that you, Lord, have got amazing plans to prosper us and to help us have a hope and a future. And I pray for every person that is doubting this, for every person that looks at themselves and says, you don't know what I've been through. You know what they have been through, Lord. And your grace is still sufficient. And your power is made perfect in our weakness. So I thank you, God, that you are working something so much deeper, so much more powerful, so much more gracious than we could ever imagine in our lives. And I pray for boldness and I pray for courage in people to stand up, to say yes to your call, to say yes to all that you yeah, are doing in their life. Come I pray on. that from this day on, Freedom City will look different because it's people yeah. are going to know their position in you. Yeah, They're going to know on. that they belong in your family, that they are co-heirs with Christ, yeah. that they have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, giving them an anointing and a power that will enable them to live a life that is full of life and peace, God. Yeah. So I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Church.